Your Blessed Life Podcast, episode number 30. And these gifts and skills and talents are the full manifest presence of God. And if we allow ourselves to yield to that direction, God will paint before us the definition of who we are. Let the stories and teachings of today's top Christian leaders inspire and move you to releasing God's best for your life. With your host, best-selling author and certified Christian life coach, Jay Marsh. Welcome to Your Blessed Life. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Hey, listen, if you're part of Blessed Nation, I want to welcome you, and I'm glad you're part of the community. And if you're not, I want to welcome you to join us. Just stop by the website at yourblessedlife.com. That's yourblessedlife.com. And join us for regular insights, teachings, and resources that will bless your life. So I want to encourage you to join Blessed Nation today. Well, hey, there's Jay Marsh. It's great to be here with you today. And I want to welcome you to the show. I want to welcome you to Your Blessed Life. Let's get right into the show. We have a featured guest today, and I want to introduce him to you. Uh, Blessed Nation, meet Angus Nelson. Angus, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Jay. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm glad to get to connect with you. And, uh, you know, we were just chatting a while ago, and I was telling you that I'm from Texas, and I know that you're from, well, originally from Wisconsin, maybe moved around a little bit, but you're in Nashville now, right? I am. And a little caveat, I didn't, I didn't tell you this. I was actually born in Harris County, USA. I was born <laughs> in Houston, Texas. Yeah, yeah. I thought you might be going there when you said Harris. <laughs> nice. All right. So, see, you got that Texas roots that you just can't probably can't get away from. Yeah, I got family all the way from Seguin to, gosh, New Brunsville. I I love that. You know, a few other things I want to share with Blessed Nation is to give them a kind of a feel for not only you personally, and so I want to talk a little bit about your, well, really your business coaching. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you even have your own show. And I thought we could talk just a little bit about your show, Angus. Can you tell us just a little bit about that podcast? Sure. So my show is called Up In Your Business, and we play off of both ends of that phrase. So one is the business insights and acumen. In particular, I'm kind of uh, moving us towards the future of work and what does that look like to be prepared and to be equipped so that you can perform well in that space. And we can talk more about that probably later. And the second component is that the slang term, up in your business, yeah. Get up in that psychological and emotional elements of what's necessary for you to be successful. And that actually right there is the critical component. So that's that's pretty much what makes up in your business tick. Yeah, I, I love the play on the words there. And I was hoping you'd kind of hit on that. Mm-hmm. And I also know that you do, I mean, you do lots of stuff. We were just talking about you were here doing some church business, if you will. But I know that you're a speaker. I know that you work with executives, you're a facilitator. I mean, you've spoken from, goodness, from Walmart to Coca-Cola to BMW. So you've got some experience. You've got the Angus Nelson word has been proclaimed. It is out there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, there's some really funny caveats to all that is, you know, my trajectory from a corporate or a business, you know, approach Probably is not something that my high school counselor would have said, you know, Angus, here's a great trajectory for you to consider. (laughs) It's just, it didn't happen. My degree was in youth ministry and I was in business in 
weird and, and nuanced ways because I always had to do something to make money. Ministry wasn't necessarily you know the best way for me to to get paid because a lot of the ministries I worked for were either I raised support or you know didn't have a lot of funding. So I was always working secondary jobs. I became a little entrepreneurial. Got into the nonprofit world. Started my first nonprofit, and then from that I, I tied my entire identity into that business and that kind of took us down to some dark places which you and I were talking about a little bit beforehand but flash forward it went from nonprofit into social media into social business media marketing and then that took me into learning some of the business space and a buddy of mine was starting a new business and I decided to join him or asked him if I could join him he gave me a shot and all of a sudden elevated me into this corporate space. And the interesting component to all of it was I knew how to connect with people. And I had this real, you know, I like to call my, my superpower, an ability and capacity to make people feel safe and to network and connect people amongst one another. Yeah, that's a great asset to have when you're growing your business or your platform based on relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of where I'm, sinking my roots into this whole element of emotional intelligence. And I think that is what's preparing us for a lot of the changing dynamics of how the world is going. You know, we're seeing a lot of shifts in business models, everything from the Ubers and the Lyfts, and those are almost becoming, you know, kind of cliche, the Airbnbs. We've heard so much about them so, you know, recently, but there's 9,000 other companies, startups around the world disrupting something. And you add to that the maker movement, you add to that artificial intelligence, virtual reality, autonomous vehicles, like all of that is disrupting in so many places. But the one thing I'm focused on in the future of work is the fact that fewer and fewer companies are hiring full-time employees. And as such, people are becoming contractors, having to manage their own brands, their own reputation, et cetera. And so for me, that emotional intelligence is the critical component for networks to be created, those relationships to be created for us as contractors, and the companies themselves no longer have the same kind of, for lack of better terms, bureaucratic bulliness, they're going to have to be very human. So that's a whole lot of information that's going to be in my forthcoming book coming up next year. you took the words, I promise you, I've got my hand up, I'm like, I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask him. (laughs) I was really wondering, is that a lead-in, not a lead-in, but is that kind of some back work? kind of the mental back work for your upcoming book. Is it empowering work? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that mm-hmm. because that sounded like that's exactly where it was going on empowering work. And I thought, you know, that might be an interesting topic for Angus and I to discuss at a future time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Cool. When does that book come out? It's slated for April of 2017. Okay. Well, and also, Lust Nation, you know, and this is one of the things that kind of drew me to you is, Angus already has a book out, and just listen to the title of it. And I'm going to put I'm going to put this in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But Love's Compass: How Do You Recover After a Lost Relationship? And being a marriage coach, that really connected with me. Tell us a little bit about that book. Is that is that a personal story? Yeah. So as I alluded before, you know that nonprofit that I had started, I had wrapped my identity into that to such a degree that when we made some mistakes with that organization and financially got ourselves, you know, behind the eight ball, if you will, I started to do what most of us do when things get tough. We work harder. We strive to make things happen. 
And as such, I started to just really drain myself, my emotion as well as my self-worth. And I started to cope. And as we stated before the show started, my coping of choice was pornography. And I found myself spending hours and hours of life, you know, trying to control at least something, you know, Mm -hmm. that was before me. And when I started to go down this spiral, that really affected me emotionally to where I looked in the mirror and I didn't like the person I saw. And I was filled with self-hate, which only perpetuated even more of the coping. And that cycle then also brought in alcohol and then adultery. And so, you know, the following of that trajectory was an incremental uh, series of really bad decisions. Nobody ever wakes up one day and says, I'm going to totally screw up my life today. Like that just doesn't happen. And so this book, Love's Compass, shows a very transparent and insightful view into what I was going through, both emotionally and psychologically. And not only through that, but how I went through this healing process and this, it took me about three years of counseling and I was just reading everything I could. I I called it a period of spiritual schizophrenia because out of that self-hate, I also had this thinking that that man in the mirror that I didn't like, you know, if you follow the lines that continuum, it's if I don't like me, why should my wife like me? Why should my kids like me? Why should my colleagues like me? Why would my boss, my manager, why would any of my friends like me? And at the far end of that spectrum, why would even God? Oh, wow. And unfolded throughout that book is my revelation of this thing called grace. Where God sat me down in a moment and spoke to me and said, are you done? And I argued with him, done with what? I'm done with you. And he said, are you done trying to please everyone? I'm not trying to please you. I'm not trying to please everyone. I'm not trying to please. I'm my own man. I was angry and I was bitter. And he was patient and he was loving and he was relentless to woo me back. And in that moment, he said, you've been trying to please your wife, your ex-wife now. You've been trying to please your family. You tried to please the nonprofit community. You try to please the people of the city, the decision makers, the funders. You're and he went down this whole list. And, he's, and then the final part of that, he said, and you've been trying to please me. And I'm already pleased. Oh, wow. And I said, how can you be pleased? Look what I've done. Look at all this junk. Look, I've destroyed my reputation. I've embarrassed my parents. I've embarrassed this, this organization. I've embarrassed everyone. And God said, I'm not embarrassed by you. (laughs) My life went through this series of just death and dying to my pride and my ego and my narcissism. And this book then comes to this place where I finally put my house on the market and I moved to Huntsville, Alabama, because there's this guy that wasn't really known on a national scale, but he wrote some books that impacted my life. And he had this holistic approach that God is for you and not against you, that God has made you to do the exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, dream, or dare imagine. And he took this component of understanding grace in ways that I never understood. And that changed everything because I was really good at performance. I was really good at legalism. I was really good at being the Pharisee, but I didn't know how to be a son. I didn't know how to be God's kid, and I didn't know how to be destined for greatness. And so I started a trajectory to where I stopped trying to manufacture my future and instead started to yield myself to his nature. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And that's when everything started to change. It took 
a number of years for me to kind of get things on track. But what I found is that as you change the inside in your mind and your heart, it's only a matter of time before the outside changes because your motives, your presence, your confidence, all of that nature becomes something that people want to be around. And it becomes, as scripture says, it becomes, you know, the scent, it becomes this aroma that people want to be around it. And finally, the scripture that I end all of it with is this scripture out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. In the message, it says this. In all the other versions, we hear that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But Eugene Peterson paints a far better picture in my mind. And this is the scripture that really rocked me. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that became the compass that led me in what was soon to be found, this thing called love. Now that's a translation, (laughs) right? That is amazing translation. And I I love how your vulnerability allows us to not only get to know you from the outside, but from the inside. And you you said so many things that we could expand upon, but I want to expand on just one thing. Actually, I just want to comment on it as we move into the, the first pillar here for the show. And that is your willingness and your honesty to talk about the role that pornography had in your life. Because I know as a man for myself and other men in my circle that it can be difficult to talk about, but I know also from a coaching perspective, and you said this word and I was like, yes, when you said it, pornography comes back to an issue where we as men are looking to control something. Isn't that the truth? It's like, The more that life spins out, the more we get desperate to control. It's like, I I like to to kind of give a metaphor of like when you used to lean back on your your chair when you're younger. As we've gotten older, we get a little wiser because we don't have the same reflexes. (laughs) But when you're younger, you tip back on that chair at the table, right? And you kind of balance it on those back two legs. And it's that feeling when it just suddenly goes out, what does your body do? You flail, right? to try and capture something. And that is our moment of control. In that flail, we will control our spouse. We will control our, our, our teams. We will control, you know, the things around us out of desperation. And it's never done with the right motivation. It's always done with dominance. It's always done with some sort of power. And what we find is in those times of conflict in life, <laughs> there's nothing really to control. As much as you try, right. it just gets more and more out of control. So what we do is we then go to an addiction. Or we take the opposite thing, because the addiction is a dirty, you know, sin, a dirty thing that we all know about, you know, substance abuse. We all know about sexuality. We're like we look at that, you know, whether you're I mean, gosh, I was smoking a pack a day. I was like, I'm in all this stuff, right? In over my head. And on the other side of that quotient is now we try and look perfect. We try and control our image and we dress a certain way. We act a certain way. And now that becomes a clean sin, a clean control. Both of those will lead into really bad places. 
on one, you'll eventually get found out. You eventually will go to places where you're self-sabotage, your opportunities, your relationships, etc. The other end, you'll become more hollow and more broken internally because everything you know is a facade and you feel like a fake and a fraud. Yeah, man, that is so true. You know, this whole idea of, of being vulnerable and talking about your walk from the inside out is a perfect setup. And you kind of alluded, you know, the show on this format, I like to talk about these three pillars of faith and hope and promise. And we kind of talked a little bit about that from the book's perspective, Love's Compass. But I want to see if we can maybe drill down a little bit deeper as it relates to faith. So in your life, Angus, when you think of a time of faith where it was struggled, a time of faith where it was challenged, where it was stretched, where maybe you were in that proverbial pit, you kind of hinted on that. But would you share a time with us or maybe go deeper in that area where, you, where your faith was really stretched? Sure. I'm in the middle of it right now. And I've been in a series of it because I'm an entrepreneur. And every time you step out to do something new, it's, it's an opportunity for fear, right? So I just left my last company. I'm in the process of spinning up a new company. We actually launched tomorrow. And here I am talking to you. Like, wow. should I be doing this? Like, I, I should really be working harder, right? I got to spin this thing up. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I might be up all night tonight trying to finish a couple of tweaks here and there. But in the moment of all this, I had tickets to go to Hawaii with my family because my wife's grandmother was having her 90th birthday. We bought these tickets back in March. We had no idea we'd be in this moment of transition right now. And what... I thought was coming into this trip to Hawaii was this is probably the worst time to go to Hawaii. I get there and, you know, the beach calls, right? Sunshine calls, family and, and celebration. And it caused me to kind of forget about the anxiety and all the stress or all the things that needed to be done. And God spoke to me. He said, will you trust me? Because if you'll trust me, you can rest in me. And it was like this last few weeks that I spent in Hawaii, it was like God giving me a metaphor of life. And all these different you know, times that I've been in transition from jobs or moving to different cities and with my marriage and you know, being a father, oh my gosh, you have tons of opportunities, especially with my you know, 21-year-old, created multiple opportunities to trust and rest. And in this moment, you know, I was sharing with someone like, man, I'm just, I'm in a place where I don't know, man, I'm just, I have to just trust and I have to rest. And this guy says, wow, man, it's, gr- it's great to see you working that out. And it was like immediately something came up in me. And I said, you know what? I'm not working this out because that means I'm striving and I can take credit for this and I can hang my hat and say, look what I did. I said, I'm not working this out. I'm walking it out. Well, that's a so that's that's kind of what makes me think of my next question. So, what does that mean to you? I don't want to say what do you do, because it may not be something that you do. But what does that mean to trust and to be still and to wait for God for you? When God spoke to you and He said basically, "Trust me, and and we'll, and this will work out." What does that mean? How do you, if someone is in a place like that in their life mm-hmm. and they get that revelation, what do they do? What do they do with that? What does Angus do with that? So I'm 
a very type A personality. It's really easy for me to just get stuff done. So, you know, there's different quotients here for everyone involved. So I'm not going to give you like a blanket. I'm just going to answer it according to me. Hmm. It's very easy for me to go and hustle and force some doors open, right? In addition, it's very easy for me to have an expected outcome. And I'm going to do everything I can to manipulate situations or relationships or whatever to get that expected outcome. God challenged me some time ago and he said, what you build, you will maintain. What you let me build, I'll maintain. And I've gotten to a place where I'm sensitive to know that when he says, here's something or something's presented, that I act on it. It's not an overly passive place where I'm just like, let's, let's wait and see what happens. You know, I'm not sitting on my bum, you know, yeah. waiting for some door to open. Like, that's a whole different problem. It's this tension, or like I, I, I always call it a paradox, right? Everything in Scripture is a paradox. If you want to get, you first have to give. If you want friends, you first have to show yourself friendly. If you want to live, you first have to die. In the same fashion, it's like if you're going to work, you know, to make something happen, then it's all about you. If you're going to walk it, well, here's that tension. The tension is... I'm not going to have an expected outcome. I'm trusting God with the outcome. But I have a dream and a passion in my heart of the direction, but not necessarily the definition. When I know the direction of where my gifts and my passions and my drive lie, then I make choices and decisions to put myself in lieu or in place of those particular elements that are my expression of life. And in the church world that I once knew, I was around a lot of people who were like, you know, in a God of, of red lights. And they're praying and hoping and, and waiting for God to, to show them who to marry, where to go to school, what job to take. God's going to show me for this and God's going to show me for that. And what I found is that God is not a God of red lights. God is a God of green lights. He says, life, death, the present, it's all yours. What do you want to do with it? We sometimes get conflicted by understanding that our actual dreams and passions are God-given and God-breathed, and that we have permission to step out into these things, and they're just as much as God as anything else. And unfortunately, in many church circles, like the people who get brought to the front or get recognized are the people who go into full-time ministry. I mean, my dad was a pastor. I lived this stuff, right? Oh, Johnny wants to go into youth ministry. Everybody, Yay! But what we didn't do was over here, Sally wants to be an accountant. She never got recognized. Over here, Jimmy, he wants to be an attorney. Uh, are you kidding me? You want to go into that field? And over here, Bobby wants to go into politics. Oh, are you sure about that, bro? <laughs> right? And these gifts and skills and talents are the full manifest presence of God. And if we allow ourselves to yield to that direction... God will paint before us the definition of who we are. And allowing him that balance point of showing us as we go a little bit of serendipity, a little bit of mystery, that's where the trust comes to play. But if I have this one thing in my mind, I'm limiting my full expression to my limited knowledge instead of God's limitless capacities and abilities. 
how in the world am I now going in front of Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies? I didn't go to a big school. I don't make big money. I don't have big house. I don't. I didn't. I didn't follow the trajectory of these cats. Right. I'm in a place where God says, "Trust me. Watch and see what I can do." I'm in a place where God says. I want to show myself mighty on your behalf. And now I stand back and I look to where I came from. I scratch my head and says, dear God, how in the world did this happen? This is awesome. Because God has a reality that's so much different than our natural and selfish and narcissistic mindset. Wow. And I love this talk on trust because it opens up the door from a difficult place to a hopeful place. And so when I hear you talk about trusting God and having him reveal himself or showing you that he is in fact mighty and that he is in fact working on your behalf, it makes me think about this next pillar of hope. So when you think of hope, Angus, in your life, when you think of when that trust in God opened a proverbial door for you. You got to see the revealing of a breakthrough. You got to see a little bit of the other side. Would you share with us a time in your life where your faith positioned you for that renewed hope and for an eventual breakthrough? You know, um, let me back up to where I had opportunity for hope, but I didn't understand hope. And that is coming on the backside of, you know, that broken period, that really dark period. I had a couple of people, some men in my life that would tell me things that in the moment I said they were just full of, you know, malarkey. <laughs> I can't believe I just used the word malarkey. So I just made myself sound like I'm 69. So there's this element of my friend putting his arm around me and says, hey, bro, in five years, your life's going to look very different. You can't see it, touch it, feel it, or taste it, but trust me, it's going to be so different. But in the moment, in that pain, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you don't know, bro. You don't know my situation. And that's a unique component, is we all think that our problem is so unique. We keep those things to ourselves, and we dare not share it with anyone else because we don't want anybody to know that we're struggling. We don't want anyone to know that you know things might be challenging for us. So number one, I always say, like, Talk to somebody. If you're in a moment of crisis and you're looking for hope, the first thing you have to know is you're not the only one. Because when you find out you're not the only one, all of a sudden you're like, huh? Yeah, that's hope right there, right? isn't it? Like all of a sudden I'm at a place where, well, then how did you get through it? And then you got, the, you know, so that's this one thing. It's a no, you're not alone. And then number two is this whole thing about, we talk about, you know, whether it be Sunday school class or any one of the multitude of stories we hear on any holiday or whatever, like we always hear stories of some patriarch of the faith that went through these tragic periods in some way, somehow, oh, God showed up. And we're like, oh, yeah, that Jeremiah. Oh, he's got, oh, David, even in his bro. Yeah, that's awesome. And then we look at the disciples. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like some of those people like went through crazy periods. And some of them ended in tragedy. We celebrate them in the pews. But when it comes to our own life, we somehow think we're exempt from some of the same challenge. 
And we take on this defeatist mindset to think that I'm going through this because of something I've done wrong. Perhaps I've got, you know, we, we label it, we put our own judgments on it. I'm in this because I didn't pray enough, because I have some unconfessed sin, I have some whatever. Like we, 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 we put all this judgment, and here's the truth of the matter. Sometimes life sucks. Sometimes life is hard. The difficulty is not something against you. The difficulty is an opportunity to define how you believe, who you are, and the strength and fortitude that you possess. And instead of leaning back and trying to steer clear of it, lean forward and into it to say, God, show me what I need to know to be victorious in this moment. Every fear is an opportunity to take you to the next echelon, the next level up of trust and faith and maturity to become the man or woman of God that he's created you to be. Not to shy away, but to fully embrace. That's where we get to this place where we know that we know that we know that God is good. Not because of circumstantial faith. Because we're not working this out. We're walking it out. Yeah, I love how that faith creates an opportunity. It creates this, you know, creates a crossroads, Angus. And that crossroads, which is, I think is what you're alluding to, or what you clearly said, is that you can make the decision to know and to define or maybe even redefine who you are and where you're going. Mm-hmm. And that I think that really begins with hope because that hope gives us the oomph to step out and say, maybe me too. Why not me? Yeah. Why not me? I'm not exempt from hope. I'm not the exception to the rule. It's not based on what I deserve and what I've done or what I've not, what I haven't done. It's based on grace. I can hope mm-hmm. because of the grace that I have through God. Hallelujah. I, I love that. I love how we get to see the faithfulness of God show up in that story. So that when life happens, you know, and life does happen, mm-hmm. we know that God is willing, he's able to show up in our life in a big way, mm-hmm. just like I know he has for you. So hallelujah for that. I want to roll into the final pillar of the show with you, Angus. And this, you know, you've already talked about a couple of really cool scriptures. And we talked about Matthew, but I want to talk about one that's really just resonating with you. Maybe it's one that's carried you on in life. Maybe it's one that's really speaking to you right now. But when it comes to the promises of God, when you think of a specific promise that is really resonating with you in your life, what comes to mind? (laughs) It's really funny. I would say Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Learning those unforced rhythms of grace, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is my, my life breath. But if you want a second scripture, there's one, I want to say it's in Colossians. You don't quote me on that one, but it, where it talks about this. It says, the mystery of the gospel is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that word glory, we, we translate as doxa. Here comes my Bible school training right now. Doxa is unmerited favor. And that's true in many uses of the word. But in the Thayer's the Greek lexicon, it says God's view and opinion. The mystery of the gospel is this, Christ in you, the hope of God's view and opinion. If we can meditate on the fact that how we see ourselves is equal to how God sees us, that becomes the mystery that we're all in search of. Oh, 
we live in a place of conflict because we see ourselves as less than, and we see ourselves as, as disqualified. We see ourselves as minions in life, but we don't see ourselves in the context that we are seated with him in high places, that we live this life victorious, that we're in a place that we have dominion, that we're not trying to run away from anything. We may have times and opportunities where it doesn't make sense that we can't figure it out and that it feels really hard or we're really disappointed. That's just life. But it never, ever is a place of defining who you are because he defines who you are. Oh, I, I love how that connects with hope. I mean, I love how that verse connects with the hope that we were just talking about and how it sets you on a path to truly define who you are in God's eyes, who he's called you to be, who he wants you to be, who he knows you can be. You know, blessed nation, God knows your heart. God knows what you're going through. He's here with you, and he wants you to know that you can stand on his promises. You know, before we get into our final segment of the show, I want to just take a moment, Angus, and, and check in with blessed nation here. And I want to I'm hopeful that this episode is speaking to him. I have a feeling it is. <laughs> I really do. Maybe just because it's, it's resonating with me so much. But, Bless Nation, I want to invite you to subscribe to the show. If you haven't yet, and if you haven't, it's something super easy to do. If you're on the website or, or even on, on uh, iTunes, it's, it's a purple button, the purple subscribe button. When you click on that, you'll be ready and set for that next episode. So thank you in advance for doing that. So Angus, the last round, if you will, the show is kind of a speed round. So we've had a, an awesome opportunity to get to know a lot about you from some really cool stories. And I want to continue to get to know some more about you from some short, punchy nuggets of wisdom. You ready for it? Sure, bring it. All right, cool. Well, one of my favorite reads in the Bible is Proverbs because mm -hmm. just all the practical, actionable stuff that I feel like uh, gives me a a platform to walk in in Christ. So when you think of nuggets of wisdom, I want to ask you, what kinds of things are you praising God for? What kind of things are you, yeah, no, just simply said, what kind of things are you praising God for in your life these days? My family. That's simple. Like even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of everything, like I have recognized that as I get older, relationships with your family, those who truly know you, know all of you are far more powerful and empowering than anything else in this world. I love that. Yeah, I even get to know the brokenness of us. Mm -hmm. right. My wife, oh my goodness, she's, she's thinking amazing. Praise God for awesome wives. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you. Well, here's the next one for you. So when it comes to blessing, you know, we all like to be blessed. I mean, with the title of the show, Your Blessed Life, you think it's a one-way street, but it's not. So I want to ask you this. How do you like to be a blessing to others? I be kind. You know, there's so many junky people in the world and so much tragedy. And, and even in the church, like we get judgmental and critical of other people because of the way they do whatever it is that they do. And you can fill in that blank, you know, whatever. I'll just leave it vague. But at the end of the day, it says it's the goodness of God that leads men into repentance. You can't argue it. You can't judge them. You can't convince them. All you can do is model kindness. 
And man, when I, when I look at my kids, I mean, I love if my kids can get great grades. I would love that. I would love it if they, you know, were great at sports. I would love it if they, you know, performed well on their ACTs, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the only thing that I really want in my kids is that they be kind. Yeah. Well, that kindness takes us, it releases, you know, more of the fullness of that fruit of the Spirit into them, which points them back to Him. Mm-hmm. And if we can point our kiddos or anyone that's around us back to Him through kindness, it's just going to draw them to Him. So, yeah. And by the way, there, there's a lot of psychological stuff to anger, to jealousy, to gossip, to bitterness. All that psychology takes you in the reverse direction of where you want to be. And those kinds of mindsets and actions cause us to walk in light of shame and guilt, and that will rob us of power and authority and confidence. I love that. I love that. Well, share with us one thing, Angus, that you do in your personal walk in Christ that helps you to strengthen that walk. It helps you to further that walk. Relationship. Relationship. You know, Jesus was all about, you know, his 12. He had deep and meaningful, transparent, and vulnerable relationships. And I have a handful of those people that I call precious. And that has built me up, encouraged me when I needed it, cheer me on when I need it, and hold me accountable and get in my junk when I need it. Yeah. Amen. Have someone that can tell it to you in love, but can tell it to you like it needs to be told. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the next thing I want to ask you is, being an author of a book and another book upcoming here in, in April, when you think of books that have blessed your life, besides the most obvious book, besides the Bible, a book that is written that has blessed some area of your life, whether it be your faith, your relationships, your money, your business, whatever, share with us here at Blessed Nation one book that is a Christ-centered book that has blessed your life somehow. Um, the one that I'm going to share with you... Um is uh, Wild at Heart by John Eldritch. Um, it's an older book, but when I was coming through my junk, that was the most powerful book. The one question he says that every man faces is this, do I have what it takes? And we are all haunted by that question all the time, and it holds us back. It's a limiting belief because we don't think we can or that we could or that we deserve or that we're... Um, accept it, like we fill in that blank, we disqualify ourselves. And that book challenges to understand that you do have an adventure to run and a princess to rescue. But more importantly, you have the power and the ability to do it. I love that. Yeah, I'm going to be sure and, and link that up, Angus, in the show notes, Wild at Heart. I have not read that book, but I have heard good things about this book by John Eldridge. And if it resonated with you that much at a, mm-hmm. at a tough spot in your life, um, it sounds like it needs to be a must read. Gosh, my mind just went bam, bam, bam. I like just thought of this. I have all these books I'm thinking of. Uh, Love Does by Bob Goff. Fantastic. Donald Miller has a couple of books. Fully Alive by Ken Davis. Like I'm just like, <laughs> uh, there's, 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 here's what I know. You know, that old cliche that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Right. The amazing supernatural serendipity of God is that when you're in a place, it's amazing how sometimes you'll stumble across just the right thing at just the right time. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Almost like it's coincidence. Right, but it's not. right. Almost. Almost. 
That's why um, I call it supernatural serendipity. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, Angus, before I share with Bless Nation the best way for them to, to connect you with you and maybe get to know a little bit more about you, I have this one last overarching question for you. So I know you've got a lot going on in your life, and you kind of alluded to this major transition with your business, but share with us what has got you most excited right now about your life? And it can be related to anything. What's got you most pumped up in your life right now? Um, yeah, I know we, we, we keep saying it. So this new company, Braintrust Partners, I'm working with the former head of social from General Motors, the former head of communications with Ford Motor Company and two other influencers. Like, I could easily walk into the situation and say, I have absolute imposter syndrome. Like, oh, I, I don't deserve to be here, blah, blah, blah. But these guys have accepted me because they know what I've done and what I'm capable of. And more importantly, they love me because of the quality and caliber of human being I am. And that is something that I try to emphasize to other people as much as possible. And, and if I'm going to get excited about anything is I'm just trying to make this kind of lifestyle contagious. And that is this. Learning how to get comfortable in your own skin that you walk into a room with nothing to gain, nothing to prove, that you are quietly confident in who you are, people take notice. Favor comes upon you and opportunities present themselves. And that's when you get to the place where you're walking it out instead of trying to work it out. You're not yeah. walking around the room, passing out business cards. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm this guy, I'm that guy. Da, 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 da. You know, instead, you just walk in and people take notice because of who is in you and the man in, or, or woman that you have allowed yourself to rise and to get comfortable in. All of a sudden, the caliber and cadre of people that you will attract will open doors to you that you know not in your own finite mind. That's, that's good. That is good. You know, I think about how this idea of being true to who God is inside of you will just allow his favor to work in you and to open doors for you. I, I really like the way you put that. You know, the last question I have for you, Angus, is just to connect with you. So if folks are sitting here and are like, man, this has been an interesting chat with Angus. I'd like to know a little bit more about him. Where can they find you? Where can they find Angus Nelson? Sure. You can come to my website, angusnelson.com, and everything you would possibly want or need is there. In addition, if you sign up for my, I have like a little ebook available that talks about networking. And if you want to know some of the ways that I connect with people in very authentic and valuable ways, in fact, you know what? I'll make it available to you. I'm going to make a link. Just angusnelson.com forward slash will do your blessed life. Awesome. And you can download that. So that's super simple. And here's the other thing, too, I want to just tell you, you, the listener. I don't often get the opportunity to share my faith. I work in a corporate business context where your faith can oftentimes render you in places that kind of decapitate you. And so I hold my faith kind of tight to my chest in many realms. And I'm in the place where I am building trust and I'm building authority. So if you don't always hear me talking about things of my faith, it's not because it doesn't exist. So having opportunities to, to be here to talk to Jay give me great excitement because this is where I get to be my completely revealed self and I get to be absolutely vulnerable. Know this, 
that there are times and seasons where you can be who you are without having to quote chapter and verse. And just your presence alone causes people to take notice and say, there's something different about you. And it is amazing the amount of conversations of witness I've been able to be by simply being me. Angus Nelson, I have a feeling that's going to resonate with a few folks. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling it's going to resonate. And you know, when I hear you say that, and we have not talked about this before the show, it confirms to me of the importance of this platform to connect with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. In fact, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. I hope that it has been as much of a blessing to you as it has been to me and to Bless Nation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has been a blast. I'm, I'm grateful for our time together. And Bless Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, I'm going to ask you to leave us a review. It's the way that you can share some love with us, and it's easy to do. If you're on the iTunes app, you have to type in the name of the show, Your Blessed Life, and then you click on the cover art, and then you'll see the rate and review option. You type in your review, you type in the number of stars that you want to give, and you're on your way. And you know, Angus, I want to share just a quick review. So I've, I've been telling Blessed Nation, when you leave a review, let me know your name because I want to share the love back. So I want to share just a quick review that a, a, a gal by the name of Amy Carswell left for us. And she said, Jay, I really enjoyed the podcast, especially a recent episode with Pastor Tucker. It made me shed a few tears as he spoke about God's grace, which is interesting that we were just talking mm-hmm. about God's grace. She said, nice job. Uh, I am going to subscribe to the show. Thank you. So just a little love there to Amy. Thank you for taking the time to share and to rate and review the show. I I appreciate it. So Bless Nation, thank you so much for tuning in with Angus and myself today. And until that next episode, I want you to remember that God loves you 